Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Sean Carroll, and I have the honor of serving on staff as one of the pastors here. Uh, it is a great day to be worshiping our Heavenly Father together. As many of you know, uh, I was recently ordained. Part of that ordination is taking these exams, like content of Bible and church history and things like that. Now, some of the questions are hard, like in which minor prophet do you find this verse, dot, 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 which I did not know. Uh, or it could be major topics. Most of the questions are major topics. However, there's just a lot of major topics. So anyways, to help me um, study, I busted out the good old trusty note cards. And I was going through the note cards and trying to learn and trying to read to understand. And every once in a while, I would come across a note card that I knew and I was like, yes, I know this one. One less thing to study. And I came across this one card and I was like, I know that. And I read it and I flipped it over. Have you, have you ever been asked a question that you were so confident that you knew the answer to, but then after you figured out the real answer, you realized you were wrong? Yeah, that was, that was this question. Uh, I'm just going to lob it up for you, and you'll see how you can deal with the question, okay? According to the EPC, that's our church's denomination, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. According to the EPC, what is the primary mission of the church? Just a quick heads up, though. I got it wrong, confident that I had it right. And the answer might surprise you. Well, at least the way it's worded might. Let's listen to the sermon and then circle back to the question at the end as the sermon might help you out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you amazed at your goodness to us. We praise your name. Would you send your spirit to stir in our hearts today to call us to love and good deeds as an act of worship before you? Let whatever is from you remain and anything that is not from you fall away. May we all see Jesus more clearly today than we did yesterday. It's in his name that we pray, amen. Well, today we're continuing our series on location. Wherever you are, you are a witness for Christ. Last week, Jenny preached about part one of being on location in our neighborhoods. By the way, she killed it, didn't she? Yes, she did. Uh, did you know that was her first time ever preaching? Uh, that was awesome. Anyway, she talked about the fact that we are placed in our neighborhoods on purpose, for a purpose, and according to his purpose. She also started to talk about BLESS. B-L-E-S-S is an acronym to help us overcome and to give a pathway to evangelizing in our neighborhoods. Begin with prayer. Listen to understand, eat together, serve them, share your story, share his story. It's not the end all be all of how to's, but it does give a simple biblical idea of how we can go out in the confidence of God and share the good news with our neighbors. Let's take a quick look of where the idea comes from. And then a bit later, we'll jump into the ESS of bless or the simple yet practical ways we can bless our neighbors. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. 
Way back at the beginning of the Bible, God made a covenant with this guy named Abraham. Simply put, a covenant is a promise or a vow that two people make to each other. And this is the promise that God made to Abraham from Genesis 12, verse 2 and 3. He, t- he tells Abraham to go to the place that God will show him. And when Abraham does, God makes this promise to him. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless your name and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Five times in these two verses, we see the word bless. Wow, God's desire is to bless everyone. He does start it with a call to action. It's not a free blessing for all, but his desire is that all nations will be blessed. All neighborhoods. That covenant or promise that God made was 4,000 years ago. So does it still apply to us? I mean, that was a promise made to some Israelite and not to me as an American, a place which wouldn't exist for several millennium. But according to the New Testament, which is all about Jesus, Paul tells us this in Galatians 3.29. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. That means it doesn't matter where we are from. We are heirs of the promise in Christ. We get to be blessed so that we can be a blessing to all nations, to all families, to our neighborhood. How beautiful is that? Remember, it starts with a call to action. In our case, it's believing in Christ, that it is through Christ alone that we can have salvation. No amount of good works or us blessing our neighbor will get us there. And when we are in Christ, we are children of the promise. And the promise is that we will be blessed so that we can be a blessing. So now let's get into the remaining section of bless. Remember that B is for begin with prayer. L is for listen to understand. And E is for eat. Honestly, this is my favorite one, but you probably could have guessed that just by looking at me. For these last three letters, I want to walk through an example of what this might look like. Remember that what we are talking about here with bless happens in the context of relationship. We're not asking you to go door to door and bless them to death after you have begun with prayer. No, we are talking about more organic yet very intentional ways to build relationship with our neighbors as we are on location. And who better to teach us than Jesus himself? Jesus picked out 12 men and did life with them. He prayed for them. He listened to them. He ate with them. He served them. He shared his story with them. All we are asking today is that we each pick out one neighbor, one family, and walk through this blessed strategy with them. Let's look at Jesus' approach to blessing his neighbors. Right at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, he called some disciples to go along with him. One of these disciples or apostles was named Levi. In Luke 5, we see that Jesus calls Levi to follow him. And immediately, in the very next verse, they're celebrating by throwing a banquet. So we see that food is at the center 
of this relationship. It's a great place to start our relationship. You know, there are levels of knowing someone in your neighborhood, right? It's, it starts off with a nod, like you don't know someone. And so you give them a little nod when you see them. That's about it. And then the next time you're a little bit more friendly, so you give them a wave. But you don't want to be overly friendly yet. So it's just a simple wave. And then maybe the next time you see them, it's time for introductions. Hey, my name is Sean Carroll, and, and I live over there. Uh, make sure you catch their name and you write it down if you're prone to forget, like me. But get to know them a little bit. Maybe the next time you talk about the weather. Baby steps, am I right? And then from there, the next time, you can start to listen in on the conversation. Start to listen how you can understand them a little bit better. Maybe at this point, God is putting it on your heart uh, to start praying for them. How can I love them better? How can I serve them? I wonder what kind of food they like. How can I bless them? And as you are listening and getting to know them, you move from acquaintance towards actual friend with this question. Hey, my family would love to have you over for a meal. Are you interested in coming over for some free eats? And boom, just like that, you've moved from acquaintance to the beginning of an actual friendship. So here's the thing. God created each of us differently with different passions and gifts and calling. Part of what makes it so awesome is that God created us differently and we are not all the same. We work better when we work together. So that means we are all good at different parts of this blessed strategy. Maybe you are a prayer warrior, but not so good at hosting people. Maybe you are a fabulous chef and host, but you're scared to share your story. That's all okay. God wants to use you in the way that he created you. Let me give you an example from my life. My wife and I have six kids. And yes, we do know where babies come from. Thank you for asking. We also have two dogs. So that means our house is a minimum crazy level of five. That's our, that's our baseline. But that also means that inviting someone over doesn't really increase the chaos level all that much. If I invite a family of four over, how much different is eight than 12? So we can do that with ease. And before COVID, we used to have people over all the time. And finally, we are starting to again. But those meals weren't all that much different than a normal dinner. Really, it was like, of course you should come over, but are you sure you want to come over? Uh, we have a pretty crazy house. And so the E in bless, that came really naturally to us, and we leaned into that strength. What comes naturally for you and for your family? Which letter of bless do you rock at? Lean into it. But don't forget, whatever you are good at, we need to practice all the letters of bless. Remember that sharing a meal is pretty vital to any relationship. Think about any in-person friendship that you have. Have you shared a meal with all of them? Eating together is a natural part of all personal relationships. We all know that, right? It is essential to relationships that we share meals. And that is why E is the central letter to the blessed strategy. Or maybe it's just because it's the middle letter of bless, but that's okay too. 
And now that we see that an actual relationship has formed, you've earned some trust and it's time to shine the light of Jesus into that relationship on a whole new level. We see that Jesus used meals to build relationships with others, to know and to be known. So what does Jesus do with this trust? He doesn't abuse the relationship. He doesn't take advantage of them. He serves them. S stands for serve. And side note, This next story also comes at the beginning of a meal. Jesus did many miracles and served many people, but I think this story is the epitome of service in the context of personal relationships. In John 13, we see that during Jesus' last meal before his death, he took the role of a servant and washed his disciples' feet. That is no small feat, pun intended. Thank you. I mean, feet are gross, Uh, dirt, dust, animal feces. Not to mention that even clean feet are nasty. I mean, I got some wacky looking toes. I don't wish anybody to wash them. And mine are covered and relatively clean. But you see, Jesus did this with a purpose. It was not just serving. It was serving to teach. It was serving to heal, to cleanse, to meet physical needs. Now, when we are serving our neighbor, it doesn't have to be 17 different purposes. It can simply be to meet the physical needs of someone who has them. Whatever we do for the least of these, we do for Christ. Remember how we have 234 kids and 27 dogs? And remember how I said God wants to use you where you are with what comes naturally to you? Here's a specific example of how God took our situation and used it. We were having a neighborhood family over for a meal because our kids and their kids were friends and they wanted a play date. And we found out that she was a single mom and was paying for aftercare every single day. After she left, Emily and I talked and we said, hey, why can't we just have her two kids stay at our house after school? So we asked her if she wanted that. It was easy. The kids all walked home together, played together, and she lived right down the street. And honestly, what is two more kids for a couple hours when you already have six? And so for the next two years, we had two extra kids at our house from 3 to 5 p.m. We were able to bless a neighbor who later became a very good friend in a a practical yet simple way that worked for our family. What is God calling you to that will work for you? Maybe you love to mow grass because you pray while you mow. Maybe you're handy in other ways or you love to cook. Are you an excellent listener, but hesitant to meet new people? God gave you specific gifts and talents. How are you using them to bless and serve others? Trust in the strengths that God gave you and lean into him for your weaknesses, knowing that all of this is a blessing specifically for you to go and bless others. So why is serve in here? Well, first, we are called to it. We were created for it. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. It should be in our DNA. It should come naturally to us. But second, it gives us an opportunity to shine the light of Jesus into the world. If we go back to Jesus' example, his disciples were like, "Uh, Jesus, why are you doing this? And it gave Jesus an opportunity to share his story. Jesus said, if you don't let me clean you, you will have no part of me. 
He said they wouldn't understand then, but later they would. We now see Jesus washes us clean by his blood, by his death and resurrection. He takes our sin and cleanses us. We see this love in Jesus' service to us. He paid the ultimate price, served in a way that no one else could serve. And serving others gets them to ask questions. Uh, why are you doing this? And that question is the perfect segue to our last S. S is share your story, share his story. S really stands for story. So let's go back to Jesus' story one last time. Remember that when we started today, Jesus was just reaching out for the first time to these apostles. But at this point in the story, he is now good friends with them because they have done life together for three years. He's done it before, but here he is sharing his story one last time with the disciples. In Luke 24, Jesus appears to his disciples after his resurrection. And again, we see it is happening over a meal. He shares his story. All of the Old Testament, Abraham and the story of his offspring all pointed to me, Jesus says. I am the way and the truth and the life, he tells them. Turn to me, repent and be saved. My name should now be proclaimed to all the nations. It's like Jesus is saying, I have blessed you to go and bless others. And that is why each of us is here today. Someone, even if it was our parents, took the time to share their story and his story with us. Now, if you're anything like me, it can be very scary to go out on a limb and share your story. That's right. It's even scary for pastors to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But since it is the best news that I know, I will share it all the same. And it is best to know what you're going to say ahead of time. Here's how I have packaged it as simple as I can. It starts with what life was like before Christ entered into my heart, how he finally revealed himself to me through people sharing his story with me, and then how my life changed as a result. So here goes mine. I was an annoying punk selfish brat who did not care about others. The Lord showed me the joy of serving him. I now find more joy in serving others more than myself, worshiping God more than worshiping myself. It's all by God's grace and his spirit. The Lord totally changed my heart. He made me do a 180 and I am better off for it. Not only is he gracious, saving me from my sins, which is more than I deserve, but he really does know what's best for us if we choose to listen to him. And that's it, my story in a few sentences. Uh, take some time to practice your story so that when, when, not if, the Spirit puts it on your heart to share, you will come prepared with the hope that you have in Him. And remember that the Lord wants to bless you so that you will be a blessing to your neighbor as you live life on location. He wants you to give life to the lifeless, to shine His light to the world. Do you remember the question that I asked at the beginning? According to the EPC, what is the primary mission of the church? Maybe you're thinking discipleship, which was my original answer. Evangelism, 
taking care of orphans and widows, just straight up worship. I'm going to put the answer up in two sections. It is the primary mission of the local church to evangelize by extending the gospel at home. There it is. Our call to action to evangelize. We will be blessed so that we can go out and bless others. Other believers, yes, but especially other non-believers. But you see, so often we separate evangelism, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ to our neighbor, and discipleship, teaching a person to obey all that Jesus has commanded. And that was my mistake, separating the two. So here is the full statement from the EPC. It is the primary mission of the local church to evangelize, making disciples by extending the gospel both at home and abroad, leading others to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, providing for the nurture of that faith that all might come to worship the true God and grow in grace and in sanctification. That's right. We do not choose evangelism or discipleship. We do both. It is each of our jobs as individuals to build individual relationships with people just as Jesus did. And we have been blessed and empowered to do just that. So as you go this week, start to think intentionally of one neighbor, one family that you can B-L-E-S-S this month. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you humbled that you have chosen us uh, to share your story with us through the lives of people where we are so grateful to be those people now who get to share your story with others as we share our story. Would you bless us, Heavenly Father, so that we can bless others, so that we can proclaim your name to the nations and make your name known to all. Fill us with your spirit as we go this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.